0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor, Daryl Feemster.
1: Welcome to New Covenant Church. We're glad you're with us. We're glad with those of you that are watching online have joined us today. We're in a series called The Charismata. I love, don't you love, Amanda brought the mountains to us this morning. I, I, I want to go to the mountains, but the mountains came to us this morning. How about let's just meet the Lord on the mountain this morning, hey? I agree. I agree. We're in a series called The Charismata, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. At New Covenant Church, at NCC, we believe that all the biblical gifts of the Spirit continue to be distributed by the Spirit today. And that these gifts are divine provisions central to spiritual growth and effective ministry. And that these gifts are to be eagerly desired, faithfully developed, and lovingly exercised according to the biblical guidelines. These gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are found in three New Testament books, and a fourth one mentions them, but the three New Testament books, seven functional gifts are in Romans 12:6 through eight, where Paul tells us about prophecy and service, teaching, exhortation, giving, administration and mercy. In Ephesians 4:11, we have five ministry gifts, or office gifts. The Scriptures, Paul tells us that Jesus gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. The ones we've been looking at is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles turned there, in chapter 12, verses 8 through 11, there's the nine manifestation gifts. Some others are mentioned in verse 28 also, but, but the nine manifestation gifts are... Or uh, in First Corinthians chapter twelve, so I want us to begin reading this morning First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse seven, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. for to the one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, and to another gifts of healings by the one spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles and to another, prophecy, and to another, distinguishing of spirits, and to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. There's differences in the gifts, the function gifts and the ministry office gifts, those probably are residential. In other words, you have that gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've been called by God and put in a place, like a prophet or a pastor or a teacher or those, you have that gift and that stays. The gifts and callings of the Lord are irrevocable. But the man-manifestation gifts are different. They're not necessarily residential. They are rather spontaneously granted enablement. Given by the Holy Spirit as the need arises and as the Holy Spirit sovereignly determines. These gifts manifest the Holy Spirit. They literally show off God. They show God for who He is through the lives of His people. And they accomplish His purpose for the glory of God and for the good of others. The nine manifestation gifts are probably the most argued over. In fact... I read some I read uh, as I was studying it that at least fifty percent of today's church world do not believe these are still in operation, let alone practiced in any biblical manner. And if they say they do believe it, they also that's the places of arguments they, there's confusion, there's controversy, and much division in the body. We believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit, because we believe that's what the Bible teaches. And so, we want you to understand that. Many of us have had teachings. We've been, all all of us probably, if you've been raised in church, you've heard or misheard or misunderstood. You've told, been told not to, you've been told to. All those kind of things. And so... This morning, I just want to share with you, and we're going to go through the list quickly, and then I, I, I feel like I've got one that God's told me to, to share more detail with. So the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit in verse 8, 9, 10, are the word of wisdom. You know I like Greek, so Sophius. It's a spiritual utterance given by the Holy Spirit, supernaturally disclosing the mind purpose or the way of God as applied to specific situations. The word of knowledge, Lagos Gnosis. It's a spiritual utterance of facts that you humanly did not understand, that there's no way you to know it, but except by revelation of the Holy Spirit. And and, and what it means is that it can be... in. The past in the present. Uh, wisdom talks about the future. Knowledge talks about what's present. Then the gift of faith. Pistos. It's a spiritual enabled confidence and assurance in God. The Holy Spirit inspires dynamic power which realizes and releases the energy contained in the promises of God into a need or a situation. A gift of faith. And then there's gifts of healings. And, and those words are both in plural, charismaton and iamaton. The Holy Spirit gifts the abilities to bring about the cure or the remedy that bring many kinds of healings. And then there's effecting of miracles, literally works of power. Energamatos dunamion. The supernatural power to accomplish something that's beyond the ordinary course of natural law. And then there's prophecy. Prophetess. It's to tell forth or to, to speak forth God's message through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Then there's the distinguishing of spirits. The acresis pneumaton. It's the Holy Spirit enlightenment to discern the spiritual realm and especially to to detect the true source of circumstances or motives of people or situations. Then there's kinds of tongues. Genos glossa. It's Holy Spirit imparted utterance in an unlearned speech of a different sort, species, or category. The geno means species or sort, or kind, or category. And then there's the interpretation of tongues. Hermonia glossa. The supernatural understanding of a message in tongues which can be delivered in an understandable language of the hearers. It's not a translation, it's an interpretation. Now, you know how much time you could take talking about these Nine? In fact, I've already talked to Pastor Chris. Probably in the fall, we're going to develop a, just a class that we're going to be going through the gifts of the Spirit. As, as And so I'll be teaching on this more and more and more. But this morning, I just wanted to give you a rundown. But here's the point that I'm making. Because uh, to be honest, which of these gifts gives the most problem in the church? Tongues. Isn't it amazing we get to that quick? speaking in tongues why because we don't understand it and we don't like to talk about it because we don't under- nobody likes to talk about what you don't understand besides the politicians <laughs> so this morning I'm going to talk about speaking in tongues now last service we had people get up and leave i'm not kidding It was in the middle of it, though. I'm sure they were sick of me. (laughs) I want you to hear my heart. Actually, I'm not going to talk about it. I want Paul to talk about it. I want Paul to tell us. You see, Paul died a long time ago. Paul's very much alive in the Scripture. Paul's very much teaching. Paul's very much preaching. Paul's very much in tune with God. And so, this morning, I want to just... Let's just allow Paul to answer our questions about tongues. Is that okay with y'all? Alright. What in the world is the gift of tongues? Well, we gave you a definition. Holy Spirit imparted utterance in an unlearned speech of a different sort or species or... Category. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Speaking in tongues is not speaking to people. First thing, but to God. And in the scripture it talks about, and, and for no one to understand. The word literally in Greek understands is no one hears them. Now it's not that they don't hear the sound; it's that they don't give it attention because they don't understand it. Connie and I were down in Rio de Janeiro, down and and uh, we were in this kind of mall area, and uh, there's all kinds of talk going on, but we didn't pay any attention to it because it was all Portuguese. We had no; we were we were the only two, as far as we understood, that was talking English, the real language, you know. And I remember we were going down an escalator, and behind us, somebody answered our question in English. Now, I'm not saying they spoke in tongues. They were an Englishman. They, they understood English. But the whole point I'm trying to make is, you see, nobody husbands, you don't listen when you don't understand. Understand. The whole point is, I'm trying to say... What Paul was saying is the, the whole thing about speaking in tongues. It's not speaking to people; it's speaking to God. So, what do we say speaking to God is speaking? If you're speaking to God, what is usually what but are you usually doing? My mind to do it, and if I So, the... tongues speaking in tongues is prayer, praise, thanksgiving, and blessing. You can sing in tongues; it's praise. You can pray in tongues. You can bless in tongues. The whole point I'm trying to say is speaking in tongues is not talking to people. It's talking to God. That's the first thing. The gift of tongues is speaking mysteries. Mystery means something that's not understood without interpretation or without revelation. It's naturally unknown to the human reason. Tongues is talking to God. In fact... Most of us, if not all of us, have in fact, I believe everybody has this weakness. We have a weakness, not a many weakness, we just have a weakness there 's times when i don 't know how to pray, and i don 't know what to pray for in romans eight twenty six says for the spirit comes to help us in our infirmity in our infirmity, that a word infirmity means weakness, He comes to help us in our weakness. And He prays, and the King James says, for us. And it's usually in italics because here's the point. The Bible says that we have a weakness. He comes to help us and He prays. For us is not in the original. He prays. And the one who understands what the Spirit is saying answers. He prays. Speaking in tongues sometimes is praying, and if the Spirit is praying, you don't have a clue what He's praying, but you know that God knows because He's speaking to Him. You're speaking to Him. Tongues. Here's the next question. Now let me tell you, all of us have teaching on this. You know that, right? I'm not trying to say, I'm going to give you a new teaching. I'm trying to say, let's let Paul teach us. What Paul are tongues languages in Acts chapter 2 they were because or at least they were understood as a language in Acts chapter 2 when the spirit came on the apostles the bible says that they all spoke in tongues but everyone that was there and had come from all over different countries they all heard them speak in their own dialect in their own dialect And so, let me just say this. Speaking in tongues can be the Spirit-inspired utterance to speak a language you could not speak. I don't believe it's an ability to learn a different language. I believe it's a Spirit-inspired opportunity to speak in a language you don't speak because God wanted something known. But normally... Here's what helped me to understand. Because we some people will say, it's got to be languages. That's not what the Scripture basically says. And that's not what Paul used, the, the terminology that Paul used. Paul used every time, well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 13:1. If I speak with tongues of mankind and of angels and do not have love, I become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. As we were worshiping, as we were worshiping right here, all of a sudden I just got an awareness that around the throne were all the angels and the elders and other. we were joining in worshiping with all of them and all of a sudden it hit me. What language are they praying in? What language are they praising in? Now everybody here knows it was English, right? Can you imagine around the throne right now the sound Of worship. And God understands everything that's being said. We're not the only ones that know Him. We're not the only ones that praise Him. And when you really get down to it, we're kind of arrogant to think that God has to do it in our language. And so when Paul wrote the words speaking in tongues, in Greek, it's very literal, very, it's, it's the same. Every time, every reference to speaking in tongues that I found in the New Testament, and I don't think it's, it, it's always laleo glossus. Laleo glossus. Laleo means to utter sounds. Content wasn't the issue. The issue was the speaking. The speaking. It wasn't about content, not that word. You see, there's another Greek word that every time it's used, Lego, L-E-G-O, Lego, every time it's used, it's distinct words. It It is words, uh, definite words, connected and significant speech equaling a discourse. It, the, the lego involves rational, reasonable intellect, that part of man that produces language. The very word for speaking in tongues was that there was talk coming out of the mouth without reference to the understanding. Now, when I looked up the word, I got floored. Because I looked up the word, laleo... And in Hebrews chapter one, when it says, "In times past, God spoke in various ways through their various prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken the word." For God speaking was Laleo. That God made a sound, and then I begin to reason. I'm thinking, you know, the prophets often they they, they got pictures. They got, they got instructions, what to do physically, all of these things. And they were all messages from God that was to be delivered to the people. But how many times do we think the Old, Testament's, the Old Testament prophets only talk through words? Well, the message from God may not have been words or, words or content at all. It was a message, it was a direction, but sometimes it was in pictures, dreams, those kind of things. And yet you realize... God, Laleo, that God himself expressed himself. And he understood what he was saying. Well, so, in 1972, William J. Sumerian, a linguist from the uh, University of Toronto, I'm talking about our tongues, languages. Uh, <clears throat> he did a study for over five years Uh an assessment of speaking in tongues and he went all over the world in all different types of languages all over the world of where they were speaking in tongues and he wrote what became a classic work in its linguistic characteristics. He found that speaking in tongues does resemble human language in some respects. The speaker uses accent and rhythm and intonation and pauses and breaks up the speech in distinct units. And each unit itself is made up of syllables and syllables being formed from consonants and vowels found in language. With various pitch and volume and speed and intensity. And so he concluded that speaking in tongues is truly a sound of speech, but it's not a specimen of human language because it is neither internally organized nor systematically related to the world man perceives or man intellectually can communicate in. And so everybody that read that report said, see, tongues is not for today because you can't understand it. It's not... It's." It's not, but here's it. It had all of the, the linguistics of language. So basically, he's saying the same thing Paul is saying. Tongues is not talking to people. It's talking to God. It's not talking to people. And so people are not going to perceive it as a language. Now like I said, Acts chapter two they did, and so I can't say it in every place, but here's the thing it gives us room for us to say God can do it any way he wants to, and it can be words of men or it can be words of angels, language. but if those things are being spoken in a congregation or in a public or in a public place to where those words need to be understood, there needs to be spiritually Interpretation, spiritual interpretation. So, what's the purpose of tongues? Well, I've already covered it. it was about prayer and praise and thanksgiving and blessing. And uh, it also, in First Corinthians fourteen verse four, says the one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And so, immediately we've been taught, well, self edification. That's a hard word to say. I got to slow down. Self edification. Is, is bad because it's just about, tongues is just about the self. Just about the self. Well, I want to tell you something. How many of you like to be edified? How many of you need building up sometimes? Sometimes when you're way down in the depths, don't you like somebody to come along and build you up? Self-edification is not necessarily bad. Now, if self edification is only for you to be edified, in other words, it's all about you and you just make, it's totally selfish. Then yeah, it's out of line. But do you know that the Scripture commands us to edify ourselves in Jude chapter Jude chapter chapter because there's not a chapter in Jude, there's only verses Jude 20 and 21. It says, "But you beloved." Building yourselves, edifying yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Self-edification is only bad if it's just selfish. It's good to take whatever steps you can to build up, strengthen your soul, so that you might be better able and equipped to build others up in the church. How many of you would go to the Scripture to be edified? You get into trouble, you have all the, you go to the scripture, God, just let me find something. Just speak to me today, God. Well, there's another way, too, that you can go to God speaking what you don't even have words to say, and you can go to God, and in, in the spiritual language that God gives, you can let the Spirit pray through you, and you know that He's praying according to the will of God, because it's the Spirit praying to the Spirit. It's Spirit praying to God. The whole point is, it can build you up the same way you think the Scripture can build you up. Now, I am not saying that tongues takes the place of Scripture. I'm saying that tongues can edify you, can give you, it, it can lift you up, it can strengthen you, it can establish you, it can help you get through your day. Let me give you one more. Here's another purpose of tongues. Interpreted tongues can edify others in the same way prophecy does. Interpreted tongues can edify others. Look at verse 5 of chapter 14. Now I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies the one who speaks in tongues unless... You know, I've had that... I used to quote this quite often. Greater is he one that prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues. And I'd stop right there. Unless. Unless he interprets. So that the church may receive edifying. The unless makes it equal to prophecy in edification if it's interpreted. So it's in prayer praise, it's in self the building up of yourself, and it's also when it when it is to be done publicly and it is with an interpretation serves to edify the church. But on those under those guidelines. So let me get to what we're what everybody's thinking. Can speaking in tongues be abused? Absolutely. Absolutely. It can be abused at every any quiet time Somebody any quiet, any hush in the in the in you know, you be still and know I'm God, and all of a sudden somebody burst out in tongues. Now, it can be that God's warning that to be, but a lot of times we're not comfortable with silence, are we? We're not comfortable of being still before God. It can be abused. Here's what I'm saying Tongues can be abused when we use it as a marker for ourselves. As a badge. Tongues can be abused by making it a spiritual badge. Making it to seem that you're better, or you're more spiritual, or you're more mature, or you're more elevated than others because you have a Tongue. Remember, it's a gift. Now that's an abuse. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it ha- that's, that's happening all the time. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's an abuse. But let me tell you another abuse. A mother abuse is by making it less than what God intends. By denying it, demeaning it, by grieving the Holy Spirit. So I can abuse it by making it a badge and a pat, a attaboy, attaboy on my back. Or I can abuse it by saying, I'll never speak in tongues. I'll never do that. I don't believe it's happening. I don't believe it's for today. I can abuse it the same way by demeaning it and denying it and making it something that God never intended it to be. A division. Now let me ask you a question. Which is worse? Somebody speaking in a tongue at a wrong time, or somebody denying it forever. Let me just give you a heads up. The Holy Spirit's not going to make you speak in tongues. He can gift you with it, but he's not going to make you. The Holy Spirit doesn't force you to do anything. You respond to him. So just you're free. Some of you will never speak in tongues. I don't say that as saying that you, you will never. And that's okay. In fact, verse 30 says, all don't speak in tongues, do they? And the answer is no. It's not about the tongue. But, but for me to say that nobody can is dangerous territory. So what's our problem? What's our problem in the 21st century heading quickly to the 22nd? What's our problem? Verse 14, I think, is the essence of it in chapter 14. 1 Corinthians fourteen fourteen. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. <laughs> I can hear everybody say, Amen. If I pray in a tongue, my mind is unfruitful. So our next thought is, then don't do it. Don't do it. If your mind is unfruitful... It's of no value. It doesn't do any good. There's no problem. There's no purpose in it. So here's the thing. We've come to believe that nothing is of spiritual value unless it passes through the cerebral cortex of the brain and can be intelligently understood by me. Any notion that the Holy Spirit might engage with the human spirit directly bypassing the conscious thought processes is an abomination to most of us. If it's spiritual and if it's spiritually profitable, it must be intelligible. I must understand. Now who's playing God? Well, what about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? I've got to understand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Come on, say it with me. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path, make your way straight, make your way smooth. Don't lean on your own understanding. One of the biggest lies the enemy is telling to us this day. Is it's got to make sense or else it's not God. It's got to make sense or else it's not God. It's a lie of the enemy. Paul's response for many would say to his mind, to his mind being unfruitful, then you should stop speaking in tongues altogether. Shut it down. Forbid it. It's not for today. But that isn't Paul's conclusion at all. No sooner does he say that his mind is unfruitful Then he declares his determined purpose. Look at, look at verse four, fifteen of chapter fourteen. What is the outcome then? I will, I choose, I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. Clearly, Paul believed that a spiritual experience beyond the grasp of his mind, beyond the rational, was still profoundly profitable. He believed that it wasn't necessary for an experience to be rationally profitable for it to be spiritually beneficial and glorify God. So we're going to let Paul teach us. So Paul, what do you say? What do you want to say to us this morning? What are you saying in First Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14? Let me give you three, three words of Paul. Verse 1, chapter 14, verse 5. Now, I wish you all spoke in tongues. I've noticed I haven't got a, an amen in this sermon at all. No, no amens. I just kind of feel the... I'm going to say it again. What's Paul saying? Verse 5 of chapter 14. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. <laughs> I I begged for it, didn't I? Number two, Paul, what are you saying? Verse eighteen. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Than you all. I wish you all spoke in tongues. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. One more, verse thirty nine. Therefore, my brothers, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak in tongues. Have you thought about this? If Paul speaks in tongues more frequently and more fervently, that's what the word more means there, more frequently and more fervently than anyone else, And yet in the church, he goes on to say in verse 14, he prefers in the church that he he would speak in a way that all could understand. Then where does he speak in tongues? If he speaks in tongues more than everybody, more than all the Corinthians we're talking about, but he doesn't speak in tongues when it can't be understood without an interpretation, then where is he speaking in tongues? Clearly, in private, in the context of his personal devotional intimacy with God. He exercised this remarkable gift. He didn't rule out the public tongues, but when they were given, there had to be an interpretation to build up the rest of the body. Now, here's the point I'm trying to make this morning, because I don't care what side you get on. I'm not asking you to agree with me. I'm not even asking you to agree with Paul. Here's what I want you to see. Logical. Was there anybody more logical than Paul? Reasonable, highly educated Paul prayed in tongues more than anyone else. And now I'm going to say that doesn't happen anymore. Why? Because, because I've been taught. My daddy. Now listen. The church I was brought up in did not teach it. In fact, it taught against it. Do you know how long it took me to go to the Scripture for myself? Fifty years. You say, well, you're not that old. I'm going to tell you, I learned things. You didn't say that? I learned something this week about tongues that I didn't know this week. Most of us don't study it because the flesh fears it, embarrassed by it, is turned off by it. We don't go to the Scripture to see the value of it. We go to our teachings to justify not doing it. I was taught. And even when I thought it was a real thing, I could not get my head out of the way. I could not get my thoughts. God, I don't understand it. I don't know. And you realize, you can be speaking in tongues and thinking in English. Let me tell you how you do it. You're speaking in tongues and you're saying, this is not real. This is not real. This is not real. And you're speaking it. You're thinking... In your language. But you're speaking in something you don't understand. And yet it can all happen at the same time. But it's not real. Who says? Paul didn't say that. The man who wrote the book of Romans, he's known as the greatest theologian outside Jesus himself. He's the man who took on the philosophers of Athens and took them out, basically, in Acts 17. That Paul not only believed in the spiritual value of praying in tongues, he also himself practiced it. So I'm not going to say, well, that was you, Paul, not me. This week, I kept hearing, to each his own. To each his own. So I heard it so often that finally I looked it up. What is that? We say to each his own when we want to show that we can disagree with someone, but respect the opinion anyway. There's a lot in the body of Christ that will not agree with what I've just said to you. It's okay. It's okay. They're still my brothers in Christ. I trust that the Lord is working what He's wanting to work in and through them. And and there's a lot of people who will disagree with what all we're talking about. That doesn't matter. And that's where I think God was saying, Darrell, don't get caught up in the argument. Just let me do what I want to do. Here's my question. Are we open? Are we open to the gifts of the Spirit? well certain ones and I challenge you I'm not sure that we're that open to any of them because we don't understand how they work they're gifts of the Spirit now The Holy Spirit will not force you to do anything. You don't have to speak in tongues. Many of you won't. I already told you that. And let me say this. There's no indication anywhere in the Bible that I've found that people who speak in tongues lose control or become unaware of their surroundings or become ecstatic. Paul insists that the one who's speaking in tongues can start it and stop it at will. There's a vast difference between an experience being ecstatic and being emotional. Tongues can be highly emotional and exhilarating, brings peace, joy, and intimacy, but that does not mean it's an ecstatic or it's a trance. Jack Hayford went on to be with the Lord this, this, this year. He wrote in, a, in one of his books, he says, I, he believes that the gift of tongues is limited in its distribution, talking about the public gift of tongues, and its public exercise is to be closely governed. But there's a grace of tongues that is so broadly available that Paul wishes that everybody could enjoy its blessings. Which includes distinctive communication with God, edifying of the believer's private life, his soul, and worship and thanksgiving with beauty and propriety. Not every Christian will exercise the public gift, while any Christian may expect and welcome the private grace of the spiritual language in their personal time of prayer, praiseful worship, and intercessory before God. I've been personally challenged by what the Holy Spirit has shown me this week. I don't want to reject anything the Holy Spirit might be doing in my life or in New Covenant. I open my heart wide to my loving Heavenly Father when I ask Him for bread it's not going to give me a snake and the Holy Spirit who is here to empower the church to do the work of the ministry I thirst for Him for more for His gifting Whatever that might be. I read you a whole list of nine. I don't care. I just don't want to deny Him or reject Him or refuse Him and grieve Him. I invite you this morning to open up your heart. I'm not talking about open up your heart to speak in tongues. That's not what I'm talking about. Open up your heart to the Holy Spirit so that He can gift you with what He wants you to have. It may be words of knowledge or words of wisdom. It may be... How many of you would love to see gifts of healings released in the church in our day that could heal mental health, that could heal disease, all kinds of healings? And yet if we refuse the Holy Spirit on one place, what gives us the idea we won't refuse Him on other places? Open our hearts wide to the ministry of the holy spirit and what he wants to do. I'm going to invite the ministry team to come and I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And we're just going to open up our hearts to the holy spirit. Ministry team's going to be available. You some of you already know what gifts you've got. Some of you already know. Here's what Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You may want to have someone up here to lay hands on you and to pray. That you be open to the gifts of the Spirit. In John 7, chapter chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. The record, it says Jesus stood at the pool and he He shouted out. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Paul says, To each one of you is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All the gifts. All the gifts. All the gifts. Open your heart. As Amanda sings, we invite you to respond to the Holy Spirit. to you that came to Pastor Chris and I by email. We have people in our church right now that have the gift of wisdom. And knowledge The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. But this was said to us. It says, good morning. I wanted to send you something God showed me during worship. And since I know we're going to, <laughs> through the Holy Spirit right now, I feel like I should share with you for the church. During the song, come rest on us. I saw small tornadoes of wind going through the room looking for hearts who said, I'm here, use me. Surrendered hearts saying, Here I am, Holy Spirit. Then the small tornadoes would land above the heads of those God saw their hearts were ready to give for His great move and outpouring. As they landed on people, I saw them being lifted up in the tornado wind and swirling just like the scene In Beauty and the Beast, where the beast was transformed into the wind and turned into a man. I saw the Holy Spirit wind lifting people and taking off the old and changing it into new. Taking off the former and replacing it with His new clothing and power. All the shame, the negative mindsets... Anything that was holding back was ripped away in the wind of the Holy Spirit. And each of these people were brought back down with new God-given clothing of power, equipping for what God has for them. New kingdom mindsets, new identities, new callings and assignments for God. Then the small tornadoes of wind joined together and became one big one one big tornado over the roof of the church and the Holy Spirit poured out His presence over all of us I heard Him say this is my invitation to you to be a part of what I'm doing now to be partnered with me so I can use you to change lives and be Jesus to this town and community and even the world don't miss what I'm doing I'm doing a new thing. I'm calling you. Aaliyah, this is the one who sent the message. And she's been walking with us for years now. The gifts are already here. Let's stir them up for what God's doing. Are you ready for the wind of the Spirit? Lord, we welcome You. We invite You. Do what You will with the people surrendered to You. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. May it be so. God bless you. Thank you for being with us this morning.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message.